353 revolutions around the sun and other ordinary miracles. Written by Magnolia822 and read by Literarian. Chapter 7 England 2027 Crowley was hiding something. Aziraphale knew he was hiding something because for the last three weeks he'd been evasive whenever Aziraphale asked if he was hiding something, but he hadn't outright denied it. For a demon, he was an exceptionally bad liar. It wasn't a bad something. That much Aziraphale was sure of. Crowley had a twinkle in his eye and was exhibiting the kind of nervous, twitchy, unable-to-sit-still behaviour he displayed whenever he was excited about something. He had also been notably absent from the bookshop every Saturday for the last three weeks and had failed to convincingly account for his whereabouts. Aziraphale wondered if maybe Crowley were planning to propose. It was a thought easily dismissed at first. Aziraphale had never really thought about marriage in the conventional human sense before. Since they had first openly confessed their love to each other, they had spent eight blissful years together. Safe for the troublesome stretch, Crowley had spent asleep in his flat, avoiding that unfortunate modern pestilence that had arrived inconveniently after the world failed to end. I just can't deal with another plague, Angel. I'm sorry. It isn't you. I love you. If you want to come visit, you can. Any time. But you'll be asleep. I'll wake up to snog you. Aziraphale had rolled his eyes and finally given up, and Crowley had gotten his way. And yes, Aziraphale had ventured over for a sleepy snog on occasion, but since then they had spent every day together. They had gone on vacations to the south of France, to Chile and to Japan. They had moved essential items from each of their flats to the other, until Aziraphale was almost entirely comfortable at Crowley's and Crowley at Aziraphale's. They had dined at the Ritz and in small, crowded restaurants and walked holding hands through St. James Park. They had made love in every position and with every conceivable combination of efforts and they had lain in each other's arms and talked about the future, including, most importantly, how much time they had before their former colleagues decided to wage war on Earth and on them. In short, they were already, in every important way, mated. Paired for life, or for eternity. A silly ring and ceremony meant nothing. Anyway, Aziraphale was fairly sure Crowley felt the same way about marriage, though they had never discussed it. But Crowley kept evading his questions, and Aziraphale kept wondering. 
Crowley had generally retired from demonic activity, but Aziraphel knew he couldn't sometimes help amusing himself with pranks now and again. Gluing coins to the sidewalk only took so much time, however. Maybe Crowley was making plans for a trip, or creating a new species of flower, but then why wouldn't he have told Aziraphale? One evening, about a week before Christmas, Aziraphale went to hang Crowley's leather jacket, which he had haphazardly discarded on the bookshop sofa, onto the coat rack, where it belonged, and felt a curious bulge in one of the pockets. Crowley had fairly launched himself from the sofa to stop Aziraphale from looking, which he had not planned to do. He wasn't a snoop. But Crowley had stopped him in any case. Was there a ring in the pocket? Nothing else seemed to make sense. It had to be a proposal. That evening, as Crowley snored in bed and Aziraphale passed the time reading in the chair next to him, he found himself losing sense of the words on the page. His mind kept drifting back to the pocket and to thoughts of marriage. What would it be like to call Crowley his husband, his wife, his spouse? To wear his ring and for Crowley to wear Aziraphale's. His chest filled with warmth, and as he looked at his beloved as he lay sleeping, his lips slightly parted, one leg in and one leg out of the covers, he was overwhelmed with such powerful love, he felt his corporeal form could barely contain it. They had hidden for so long from themselves even, and Aziraphale had done especially. Perhaps it would be cathartic for them to make a public claim on each other in front of heaven, hell, and the earth besides. He found that the more he thought about it, the more he liked the idea of wearing Crowley's ring. He looked down at his bare left ring finger and imagined it there. Indeed, he could be quite easily convinced. Crowley woke up the next day and Aziraphale was there, ready with a cup of black coffee and a kiss. He often treated Crowley to such pleasures in the morning. But today, perhaps, he was acting suspiciously himself. Crowley took a sip of his coffee and raised an eyebrow, appraising him. You didn't look in the jacket, did you, Angel? No, I wouldn't dare violate your confidence. What have you got in there anyway? You haven't lifted something from the British Museum again. I only did that the one time. And all that stuff is already stolen, you know that. Aziraphale pursed his lips, but Crowley was no more forthcoming, and Aziraphale decided he would be patient and give Crowley the time he needed to put his plan into action. In fact, he decided that he would use the time to purchase his own ring for Crowley, 
so when the moment arose, he could present his lovely demon with a token of his own. How very romantic it would be! He went out to the shops the following day. The streets were chaotic, with holiday shoppers jostling for presents, which reminded Aziraphale why they had been spending more and more time outside of London these days, but in a little jewellery shop tucked away on a side street in Bloomsbury, he expected to find the perfect ring, and so he did. It was a thick band in burnished gold that reminded him of Crowley's eyes with a pattern that could have been snakeskin if you looked very closely. He requested it be engraved, and while he waited, he gave extra blessings to the other customers. In particular, to one young couple who were picking out rings and clearly expecting... As the woman at the register tied up the package and handed it over, she gave him a little smile. This is a very unique ring. I actually had never noticed it in the store before. How curious! Yes, that is very interesting, Aziraphale said with an innocent smile, and then he took his purchase and went home. After that, the anticipation only increased. Aziraphale found himself breathless when Crowley came into the room, sure that each moment would be the one. He hid the ring in the inner lining breast pocket of his waistcoat to keep it close at hand and to avoid detection by a curious demon, who was known to snoop on occasion. They went out to dinner and ordered a bottle of champagne, and he was sure it would happen then. Perhaps a ring would arrive with dessert? But no, there was no ring, only chocolate mousse, and Crowley seemed more at ease than he had in the past several weeks, which was simply confusing. On Christmas Eve, they exchanged small presents and spent a pleasant evening together, but nothing else occurred, and Aziraphale began to wonder if he had simply let his imagination run away from him. The ring was burning a proverbial hole in his pocket, but if Crowley didn't seem inclined to make a move of his own, perhaps Aziraphale should make his own overture? The next morning, however, Crowley declared that he wanted to take a drive. Where are we going? Aziraphale asked as he was bundled into his coat and then ushered towards the door. It's a surprise. Crowley squeezed both his shoulders and then slipped his glasses back on. Outside it was frigid, and Aziraphale wrapped his tartan scarf more tightly around his neck. He wasn't sure where Crowley was taking them, but he hoped it wasn't a long drive. Aziraphale slipped and nearly fell as they made their way across the street to where Crowley had parked the Bentley. Crowley caught his arm just in time and led him to the passenger door. The roads are terribly icy, my dear. Do be careful. You know we can't get discorporated now. 
he shuddered to think of what would happen if either of them ended up at their former head offices. Don't worry, Angel. I've got it all under control. I won't drive too fast, I promise. That's what you always say. But this time I really mean it. Crowley gave him a cheeky smile, kissed him quickly, and then nearly tripped himself as he made his way back to the other side of the car. They got on, not terribly fast, but just fast enough to please Crowley without giving Aziraphale paroxysms, and were soon out of the city, heading south on familiar roads. They often took day or weekend trips to the seaside, but seldomly in winter, and Aziraphale became more and more curious as they got closer to the coast. But perhaps Crowley had booked a weekend getaway at a bed and breakfast to make his proposal? But then why wouldn't he have told Aziraphale to pack a bag? At around noon, the sun poked through the clouds, and it turned into a lovely, if chilly, day. They were one of the few travellers on the road, and the frosted, grey fields glimmered, groups of huddled sheep dotting the pastures along the sides of the road. The gentle, sloping hills revealed little towns here and there, and Aziraphale distracted himself by humming along with the bebop Crowley was playing. Something by women who were violent or some such. All right, Angel, we're almost there. Close your eyes. On second thought, best miracle something to cover them with. I don't know if I can trust you. Oh, pish posh. But still, he accepted the strip of cloth Crowley passed him and dutifully tied it around his eyes. His anticipation had him leaning forward, although there was nothing to see, and his stomach swarmed with nervous butterflies. When Crowley finally parked the car an interminable time later, Aziraphale was instructed to stay put as Crowley came around to lead him wherever it was they were going. He inhaled the salt of the sea and the cold winter air and held Crowley's hand. Some sort of plant brushed against his trousers, and their feet crunched on gravel. He was faintly buzzing with curiosity as Crowley started to fiddle with something that sounded like... a key? And then swore and snapped his fingers. A door swung open. Okay, Crowley said. Here we are. Home, sweet home. The blindfold was untied and discarded, and Aziraphale inhaled sharply as he recognized the door. The cottage! It was the cottage they had stayed at eight years ago when they'd felt the need to make themselves scarce from London for a time and to explore their newfound freedom together. Aziraphale had adored it then, and he did so now. 
It was quaint, with a stone facade and creeping vines, a lovely little garden filled with flowers, and a view of the sea from the second story. It had been sold soon after they rented it, but Aziraphale had always wanted to return. What do you mean, home? I mean, I bought it. It's ours. Our weekend getaway, or our permanent abode, whichever you'd prefer. I've packed your bag in the boot. We can stay all weekend if you like. Try it out. Oh, Crowley. Aziraphale took a tentative step from the hallway into the sitting room and noted that it was refurbished. Gone were the generic landscape paintings on the wall and the knick-knacks cluttering the bookshelves. It was tastefully decorated, modern and yet antique in furnishings of dark chestnut and cranberry, a combination that served as an homage to both of their styles. It smelled of lavender, and Aziraphale noticed a vase with fresh flowers on the side table. Do you like it? Crowley was standing nearby, with his thumbs hooked into his pockets. Of course I do, it's... As Aziraphale turned around in wonder, he noticed the paintings. The ones Leonardo had done of them both, framed and placed side by side on the far wall, away from the fireplace. His breath caught in his throat. Figured it was time to break those out of the safe. Hope you don't mind. Not at all. It's all... It's astounding. So this is what you've been hiding. I'm so silly, I thought... He broke off and felt his face flush a little. He was slightly embarrassed, and he wasn't sure he wanted Crowley to know why. After all, this was an incredibly lovely gift. Even more lovely and meaningful than the one he'd been hoping for. He loved it, and he loved Crowley, and he didn't want the demon to think he was disappointed. What did you think? Crowley took his hand again. Aziraphale was fretting a little, his free hand nervously plucking at his coat. Oh, it's terribly foolish, I... Aziraphale shook his head. Coming to a decision. Well, I thought you were going to propose. Crowley's eyebrows climbed up his forehead. Oh. Oh. It was keys in your jacket that you didn't want me to find, wasn't it? Yeah, sorry. I had no idea that's what you thought. Stupid of me. Crowley looked suddenly guilty, and that wouldn't do at all. It wasn't his fault Aziraphale had gotten notions. No, no, none of that, my dear. It's just that I may have made some plans as well. Aziraphale bit his lower lip and reached into his coat, finding the ring warm from the heat of his body. 
He held it out, and Crowley looked at it with surprise and a slight flush of his own. You want to get married, like humans? To be honest, I hadn't thought too much about it until I thought you were going to ask me. And it seemed like a rather nice idea. Not in a church, of course. It could be non-denominational, I believe is the term. Crowley swallowed, his Adam's apple bobbing. I... wow. Yes, that sounds... uh, really nice. Realizing he had to ask properly and that Crowley was floundering to get a hold of himself, Aziraphale cleared his throat. <clears throat> Anthony J. Crowley, whatever the J stands for. I love you. Will you be my spouse? Fuck, yes, of course. All right. Good. Aziraphale felt giddy and almost shy as he slid the ring onto Crowley's finger. It fit perfectly because he believed it would, and it looked lovely against Crowley's skin in the warm light of the cottage. Crowley removed his glasses to look at it more closely, and Aziraphale watched with pleasure as Crowley's small smile broadened when he noticed the scales. Do you like it? It's perfect. You do realize you've totally stolen my thunder, Angel. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. I should have waited until... Kidding, I'm just kidding. Crowley swept him into a hug, and they kissed and clung to each other, two foolish, ancient, occult and ethereal beings who had just become engaged in their new seaside cottage. Much later, after Aziraphale had taken some time to explore, appreciating all the little details Crowley had gotten exactly right, the kitchen filled with all of Aziraphale's favourite treats, and a few he had gotten wrong. The mugs were too small for Coco, and they had eaten dinner in town, they found themselves in bed. Crowley was between Aziraphale's legs, slowly driving him out of his mind. His prick ached as Crowley bobbed up and down on it, his lips sliding over the slick length. Aziraphale fisted the sheets as Crowley swallowed him down, his long tongue wrapping around the bottom of his shaft. Crowley's pupils were blown so wide they were almost round, and his hips hitched against the soft linen bedsheets. All was quiet, save for the sound of their bodies, the wet slip of Crowley's mouth, their mingled, labouring breathing, and if Aziraphale concentrated hard enough, he thought he could hear the distant roar of the ocean. The lights were dim, and Crowley had lit a few candles, which cast their flickering glow over the bed. It was lovely. Crowley was lovely. He had always been a sight to see in the nude, with his long, graceful limbs and easy confidence. 
and sometimes, when he began to lose control, his body became even more serpentine. Sometimes, even scales appeared. Crowley didn't seem to notice, but to Aziraphale it was arousing. Not the sight of the scales in and of themselves, but the idea that Crowley was so far gone he let his snake form bleed through. Tonight he had been sucking Aziraphale for some time, with no relief for either of them, and a shimmer of black and red appeared on his hips when the light was just so, coalescing and growing, until a wide swath of scales, more than Aziraphale had ever seen before, covered his back from arse to shins. Crowley groaned, eyes slipping closed, and he caressed the space underneath Aziraphale's bollocks, teasing the sensitive entrance. Aziraphale watched, sometimes catching a glimpse of Crowley's own reddened prick. More than anything, he wanted Crowley inside of him, but he was content to wait. He was being pampered and indulged, and when Crowley was in one of those moods, he was impossible to resist. The scales spread further, and Aziraphale opened his legs wider. He was balancing on a precipice, and Crowley seemed to know exactly when he was ready to fall over. He would pull back, change tactics, and the imminent release would recede. Aziraphale groaned and tried to thrust, but Crowley's hands held his hips firmly, even as his own worked slowly against the mattress. His prick looked as though it must be fit to burst, and then Aziraphale blinked, and there were suddenly... two. Aziraphale let out a surprised breath, hoping to catch a closer look. Crowley looked up at him. What is it? Crowley, you're... Aziraphale could only gesture, eyes wide. Crowley glimpsed down, hitching his hips as he did, and noticed the scales and the state of his genitals. Oh shit, sorry. He groped for the sheets, and Aziraphale realized with horror that Crowley was ashamed that he was trying to cover himself. Don't be embarrassed, my love. I'd like to see you. Uh, all right. Crowley lowered his arm and dropped the sheet, and Aziraphale pushed himself up feasting his eyes on the sight of Crowley's pricks. They were not so very different from human, but he suspected that was only because Crowley was now aware and controlling the appearance of his form. Two of them rose proudly side by side from the reddish thatch of hair, their bases conjoined. Black and red scales now covered Crowley's thighs, and his pricks glistened, 
redder and wetter looking than his usual human phallus, and with noticeable riches that Haziraphale imagined would feel quite lovely inside. Arousal surged within him, and he reached out to touch them, taking one in each hand. There was no need to slick them. They were hard and pleasing in his grip, and he gave each a tentative stroke. Oh, fuck, angel, that feels incredible. Does it? Aziraphale's own erection was throbbing, but he also felt something within him shift, a different form of desire taking over, and before he knew it, his effort had changed into a more easily accommodating formation. Crowley noticed right away and reached out to touch him where he was wet and swollen. Aziraphale. Yes, yes, my love, please. You're sure? Aziraphale nodded, so eager he could hardly wait. He realized now that in spite of their regular and varied intimate moments, Crowley had been holding back this last part of himself and he was being given a wonderful gift. You have no idea how long I've wanted this. Crowley sounded almost drunk as Aziraphale continued to stroke him, fascinated by the way each felt in his hands. He wondered what it would be like to service Crowley when he was like this, to get on his knees and take them into his mouth, one and then the other. Why did you never say? Crowley's hips flexed and his long tongue flickered out to wet his lips. Maybe I was embarrassed, thought you would think it was strange. My dear, I don't know where you've been for the last six thousand years, but I hope you know by now that I love whatever we do and however you look, no matter how odd it might seem to others. As he spoke, Aziraphale got into position and Crowley kneeled between his legs, his pricks bobbing as he did so. And I love the way you look. Aziraphale flushed, looking down at his own body. He was so much plumper than Crowley, round at the stomach and full at the hip. He knew that Crowley had always found his form attractive, but it was very pleasing to hear it out loud. Crowley, don't make me wait. Are you sure? You want them both at the same time? Crowley held himself at the base and rubbed the tips of his cocks over Aziraphale's slick entrance. Aziraphale couldn't help wriggling to get closer, hoping to tease Crowley into action. Yes, please, I want all of you. It might feel a little uncomfortable. I don't know if it'll work, 
I've never done this before. Aziraphale bit his lower lip. I can take whatever you have for me. You're such a good husband, Crowley said, and a little thrill went through Aziraphale at the word. Crowley leaned forward and, bracing himself on one arm, he pushed the head of the first of his cocks inside. He gave an experimental thrust, watching Aziraphale's face all the while. Aziraphale gave him an encouraging smile and gasped as the other followed immediately after, stretching him as full as he had ever felt before. He was so ready there was no pain, only the bliss of sensation rolling over him, taking him to the edge once again. He squirmed, moaning as Crowley moved his hips and sank deeper, and then deeper still, until the thick girth of his base was snug against him. They kissed shakily, breathing together as they both adjusted. Someone's sake, this feels good. Not gonna last long. Crowley looked down at him with hazy eyes. We should have done this ages ago. Well, I do believe it was you holding out on me. But yes, I agree. Aziraphale gasped as Crowley began to move. He felt the telltale flutter deep in his belly, lighting up the nerves in his groin, and he held on, urging Crowley to fill him again and again. Crowley couldn't withdraw very far, but that suited Aziraphale quite well. The friction was wonderful. Crowley seemed to be enjoying himself very much. The sounds he was making were more snake-like than human, but his eyes were familiar and filled with love. Aziraphale held on to his sinewy shoulders, throwing his head back as Crowley bit and nipped at his throat. It wasn't long before Aziraphale felt his release build to the point of no return. He cried out and wrapped his legs tightly around Crowley's hips, grinding against him as the urgent pleasure crested. Crowley drove deep and stayed there, letting Aziraphale ride out the last of his release, but when he was finished, he relaxed and opened himself up to Crowley. So gorgeous, Crowley whispered in his ear. That good for you? Yes, my dear. I don't think I ever want to stop. Don't give me ideas, angel. Crowley reared up again on his knees and dragged Aziraphale's hips closer so that Aziraphale was nearly in his lap. 
This provided a better view for them both, and Aziraphale watched as Crowley entered him again and again, his hips snapping more quickly. He was getting deeper, filling Aziraphale even more beautifully now that he was relaxed, and Aziraphale could feel the ridges on both cocks stimulating him again. Crowley reached down and tweaked Aziraphale's jiggling nipples, ran his hand up and down Aziraphale's body, rubbed his mons at the place where they were joined, until he was burning with desire again. The gold ring on his hand glimmered, and Aziraphale thought of the inscription inside of it, which he knew Crowley had not yet noticed. Aziraphale had never felt so loved, so coveted. Fuck, I think I'm going to come, Crowley said, groaning the last words as his eyes clenched shut and his mouth dropped open. His hair, which he was wearing slightly longer again, brushed his shoulders as he tipped his head back, and Aziraphale longed to run his fingers through it. It went on and on. There was so much to give. Aziraphale was happy to receive it all, and Crowley was so far lost in his own pleasure, Aziraphale reached between them to bring himself the rest of the way. Feeling exhausted and as well used as he ever had, Aziraphale lay with Crowley in his arms once it was all over. Crowley had resumed his customary shape, but not before Aziraphale had gazed his fill and made Crowley promise this wouldn't be the last time. They had darkened the room and opened the curtains so they could see the stars, and Crowley was quiet, gazing out as Aziraphale rubbed circles on his scarf. It had been a very long day, and even Aziraphale felt his eyelids getting heavy. So, Crowley said sleepily, what do you think? A permanent move? You've been complaining about London more often than not, and I know you'd rather not sell your books. There's no reason to keep up the pretense. I suppose you're right, but I do love my shop. Aziraphale's heart gave a little twinge when he thought of packing it up, or worse yet, selling it. You can keep the shop, Angel. You can do anything you like. Anyway, we don't have to decide right now. The cottage is ours. We can stay, we can go back when you want. No one's stopping us. For now, Aziraphale thought, but he said, All right, my love, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> see how it goes? Crowley laughed. Never in my existence did I ever think I'd hear you say that. Well, people, um, ethereal beings, 
change. No, they don't. Crowley raised his head and looked at him. Only you. You're the only one. I suppose that's why you love me, Aziraphale said, teasing. One of the reasons. Anyway, where should we get married? Do you want to fly to Las Vegas? I've always wanted to get married in Vegas. Aziraphale slapped his arm. Crowley! Crowley sighed. I suppose you'll want to invite guests. Tracy, Adam, Pepper, what's-his-name and what's-his-name. Newt and Anathema. They're kids. <sighs> I suppose the children should be invited. Now it was Aziraphale's turn to sigh. And Shadwell will want to come as well, whether we like it or not. Maybe we best elope. Elope? Not to Vegas. We could go to France. You love France. Or Italy. That's true. Italy is lovely in the springtime. We could do it here, in the garden. You could wear a white suit. Maybe I'll get a dress made. I've always fancied a lace gown with a plunging back. Oh, Crowley, that's a lovely idea. Yes, let's do that. All right, it's settled. They were quiet again, and the moon shone through the open window. Soon after... Crowley drifted to sleep, but Aziraphale stayed awake, watching him and watching the stars. He didn't talk to the Almighty as often as he once had, but he didn't love her less. He just knew that he would never really understand her, and that it wasn't meant that he should. He did know, however, that no matter what happened in the future, no matter what heaven or hell threw at them, if they did at all, Crowley would be there beside him. Soon Crowley would notice the engraving on his ring, and he would know. I choose you. They would face their fate together, and they would triumph or fall together, and no matter the result, he would never regret his choice. The moon shone down, and Aziraphale smiled, and finally slept. The End